0: Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at TBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here as always with Ush Danik, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR and now emotional intelligence coach. Good morning, Ush.
1: Morning, Jackie.
0: How are you going? Good, good. We're both locked down still.
1: <laughs> we are. I think, you know, we'll be like this during the Christmas episode of uh, our <laughs> podcast with the Christmas chocolate in lockdown
0: yeah Yeah, we're just getting into routine really now aren't we with it
1: yes exactly not much we can do apart from just embrace it embrace Mm -hmm. the situation we're in -hmm.
0: are you still able to train
1: i am doing it in the park so that's good twice a week
0: that's good that's good
1: so it's good yeah i'm getting a little bit of training in which is nice
0: and you're still walking in the middle of the day
1: every
0: single day about 12,000 steps yeah wow that's fantastic
1: yeah yeah really good
0: yeah last time we spoke you suggested that I do some of my meditations in the middle of the day and so I have I've done a couple at either one or two o'clock every now and then the second one for the day the first one's always five or five thirty in the morning but yeah the middle of the day sort of breaks it up it's good yeah is it working for you? I still haven't hit the 40 day mark. So it's still it's still just a, a bit of a push, but I do look forward to it. Good. Well, that's good. What else are you doing to fill some of the time at home? Well, there's not really that much time to fill. I'm moving in two weeks. You found a place?
1: Yes, found a place, moving to a ground floor apartment because they're getting a puppy in yeah. two, weeks, uh, two months, a little female rudol called Snoopy. Mm -hmm. so we have to move apartments so that we can have the dog so
0: yeah so you've got a little bit of a yard
1: yeah exactly a little bit of a space we've got a little bit of a courtyard on both ends of the apartment so Mm -hmm. not as much space as I'd like but it's a good start and then in 12 months time we'll just look to move again once Snoopy's a little bit bigger Mm
0: -hmm. and once I suppose the rental market's not so crazy
1: exactly (laughs) it just
0: took forever to find this place so yeah Mm. Well, good. I'm glad that you got that resolved.
1: Exactly. Now it's time for happy training videos and YouTube things to watch.
0: <laughs> yep. Get yourself ready. Mm-hmm. Good times ahead. I don't know how you did
1: it with two, seriously.
0: Well, if one learns, the other follows a little bit. So that sort of made it a little bit easier. But also they gang up on me. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like you're talking about kids. Oh, I don't know how you said with two. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's funny i had a really great chat this time round with kate dylan kate's a former lawyer as well although kept her sort of finger in the pie and she's created a business called she lion creating really quality bags from sustainable fabrics and she's really gone out and taught herself a lot about design thinking and then applied that when she was still working part-time in law to law as well and looking at innovation and talking to lawyers and how to do things better. It was really quite interesting. And during lockdown in 2020, she had quite a hard time of it but still ended up coming up with this amazing uh, campaign and developing... A jumper completely from sources and businesses in Melbourne. So, really interesting. Let's have a listen. Kate, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, Jackie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Matt Gaffney, who is actually a former guest on the podcast as well, introduced us and told me a little bit about your story, sent me a video, which we're going to put in the show notes so people can watch as well. Wonderful. And I just had to have you to find out more about your story because you've had quite a few changes in your lifetime so far and it sounds really exciting. Oh, thank you. So I want to go back. When you were a little girl, what did you actually want to be? Well,
1: an actor of all things. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be an actor very
2: badly and or a fashion designer (laughs) and um, I uh, absolutely pursued acting all through school and probably very painfully for my parents unfortunately like every play and everything else and then even at uni my parents had convinced me that uh, law was as close to acting as possible so I did a drama major in my arts degree We a law degree. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I don't think law is that close to acting. It's definitely not like law and order or Boston legal, Um, but uh, it's definitely been a great degree to... To, to complete and yeah. I think you know it's yeah. kind of like the new art series isn't it these days
0: law mm-hmm. yeah. yes it is it is but that's interesting that your parents said that about law because I took it so seriously and yet quite a lot of people do approach it as a game or you know the advocates do approach the courtroom like a stage so, you know, there's some merit to that. Oh,
2: no, no. I, I, when I was doing it, it was very serious. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that's sort of naturally gifted that just gets things. I had to work hard and study hard to, to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was definitely serious when I was um, studying.
0: <laughs> All right. So career path then, you did the double degree. Yep. Then what happens? What happens when you go out into the real world?
2: Well, I was fortunate enough to to go on an international exchange, I think it was third year, I convinced the uni that that I should be able to go, you're supposed to go in fourth year and I went in third year because I couldn't make the subjects match up and was very fortunate to be able to be granted the ability to go and went to Uppsala in Sweden and that was just life changing that was uh, if anybody gets the chance to go on exchange when they're at uni ever again give after COVID absolutely do jump at that opportunity if you can but I met someone over there that introduced me to the concept of fashion law in New York and was just blown away by the concept and like Thought you know, this is it. This is this is what I'm meant to do. This is my calling. So found out everything I could about it and started studying the New York Bar by correspondence. Wow! And received this like hilarious package of like telephone books worth of past exams and things to study. That was actually no exaggeration. Taller than me when you line them all up, and they were like telephone books Um, (laughs) that
1: you look at.
2: Yeah, it was 222 hours of lectures and 36 subjects, and you have to get mm-hmm. a 65% average across each of the subjects to mm-hmm. pass. Out of a thousand marks, you need 665. So I was studying for that, and I'd obviously told everybody about that, and then I wanted to go and do fashion law. Mm-hmm. And this was just before I had finished my degree. So it was the year before I started articles. I'm that old now, they don't even call it articles no, anymore. And yeah, I, got, I did the that you do three months of study or four months of study depending on when you get all the materials and if you're in Australia or America or wherever you are and then you go over to America and you actually have to set the exam obviously in person over two days six mm-hmm. hours on each day and you're isolated between the two days mm-hmm. so it's a 12-hour exam yeah I did that and came back and then was super pumped about getting my results and you know obviously I was ready to tell everybody how fantastic it would be and that I'm going to be a fashion lawyer and I sat there waiting to refresh the screen and I failed and oh my god it was like a visceral experience because I don't think I would ever failed anything in my life quite like that and quite so publicly and it was by I keep saying it's one percent but it's actually 0.01 percent I failed by 10 marks I got 655 out of a thousand and you needed uh, 665 and uh, Oh, I was just so devastated anyway I yeah, just remember my stomach like feeling like my stomach had dropped out of my body and my heart was like pounding so hard, it was just so upsetting, anyway, yeah. my family turned around and just said, "You know that is upsetting, but just do it again, yeah, <laughs> and uh I was like, right, okay, and uh yeah,
0: so such a big thing to do again though like their process is so so different from our process it is days
2: it's like your whole law degree in Mm. two days of exams and there's six hours no breaks either Mm. um two days and it's Mm -hmm. honestly like all of the law subjects and then all of the civil procedure Mm -hmm. rules as well so it's like doing the bar course and all of your law degree in two days and then it's like specific new york law on one day and then American general law on the next day anyway so I then started articles and started studying again before and after work which was obviously really intense but you know I was so determined there was an absolute fire that I was not going to fail the next (laughs) one and I did pass which was great Uh but I think that's been like the pivotal lesson in my life so far that sort of told me you can't be scared of trying and falling over and not trying because you're going to fall over. It's more about the fact that you have to be open to falling over and then picking yourself up again. And I think having such a public failure and a professional setting and so far-reaching, because I had told so many people because it was such an ego thing to be able to say <laughs> the bar exam, and I was like, oh, had to go with that? I was like, well, I'm doing it again. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think it was a really good thing was the best thing I could have had happen to me. And it's made me really lean into being a bit more risky and probably why I have done so many different things because I've really decided, well, no, why not? You know, I I don't think I could fail as quite as badly as that again. I mean, I'm, probably, I'm sure I probably could, but <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Everything else I've done <laughs> since then hasn't been anything anywhere near as embarrassing as that. And so I've thought, mm-hmm. you know, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't give something a go and you know
0: yeah huge lesson yeah and as you say like the embarrassment and just the the soul sinking of it because of what people are going to think more so than anything yeah but that was the worst that happened so
2: yeah and that's the other piece that you pick up on Mm. massively I think it's an age thing too you get to the point where you like other people's opinions are out of your control and other people's opinions are their business and not your business and you should only worry about what you can control and Mm. I have no control over that piece and so you kind of have to let that go and again I think that was like totally an age thing you know like I did the bar Mm. exam a long time ago now it's like 2007 Mm. and 2008. Mm -hmm. So, I'm a lot older and wiser and wrinklier now. <laughs>
0: um, but Ugly. in hindsight,
2: I, I feel like that's a big piece of it too.
0: Very much so. Yes. It's a pity we have to learn that. Why can't that just be something we know?
2: <laughs> oh, I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be lovely. That, it's, yeah. like, it's also like being in your 20s and, you know, they're feeling like you know everything and mm-hmm. then getting to your mm-hmm. 30s and being like, the more you know, the more you don't know.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, very <laughs> so, true. Very yeah. true. All right. So you're doing articles, you've passed the bar, what do you do next?
2: So I was at a fantastic boutique firm in financial services. The partner I worked for was amazingly supportive and he knew that I really wanted to do fashion law and so I had gone over to America the second time to then do the bar exam and then you go back a third time after you find out whether or not you pass to be admitted as an attorney because you can only do that in person Mm -hmm. and I had met with the woman at Fordham Law School who is the head of fashion law and essentially in America you have to specialise by doing a master's degree Mm -hmm. and that was very expensive and you couldn't do it by correspondence mm-hmm. and it was the gfc mm-hmm. and so it just wasn't going to function at that point in time so she had suggested that i come back and do a master's in ip in australia and then come and talk to her later and so i did that and that was really great advice so i went and did a master's at melbourne and i, I did a master's in ip but really it was a called a master's in commercial law because i did one subject in construction because my husband's a builder <laughs> um, Very transparent about doing all of this while sitting in a financial services team with an incredibly supportive again partner who then helped connect the dots to get me a role at you know, an IP team at a, at a big firm so he was really a very special person
0: yeah
2: and yeah then moved into the IP team at Ashurst our Blake's at the time they merged while I was there and then sort of almost right on two years after staying there I realized that I think rather than working for fashion clients I just wanted to run my own business yeah (laughs) Um, and yeah that's I had seen that there was an opportunity because a lot of other people much like myself were getting frustrated with not being able to find a handbag that suited their needs and then then if there was one that like wasn't beautiful it was really functional or it was really beautiful and not very functional or if it was both it was like a couple of grand and then you didn't really want to trash it anyway (laughs) So that's really where She-Lion was born and I took the back end of 2014 from sort of September To December to go and do all the night school courses at RMIT and handbag construction and leather appreciation and AutoCAD or Illustrator and Photoshop and then I did the Illustrator and Photoshop classes another three times each because I had realised that that was like an insanely effective networking opportunity Mm. and they were all full of designers that were upskilling their digital skills from big companies that had all this amazing knowledge like you know this is where you go to source leather and this is where you don't go and this is where you go to speak to people about reinforcements and this is the people you speak to about logistics and do go to this country and don't go to that country and and this is the etiquette on this and this is the etiquette on that and yeah and so the teacher was pretty funny she'd like cotton on to the fact that I was doing that <laughs> illustrator for fashion not handbags and so she started like Adding in stuff to the syllabus that was specific for handbags, so that was more useful for me as well, and then also providing longer breaks in a few of in the third time that I came, knowing that I was going there <laughs> to pick people's brains. So she was a
1: very special wow. person as
2: well. Yeah, that's where it all started, and then because it was a startup, I mm-hmm. was then obviously needing to still support. My husband and yes. thought you know I'd probably better start working a part-time job yeah. in the meantime mm-hmm. and uh, took on a mat leave position at Gilbert and Tobin which looked amazing in drafting boilerplates and contract review which is pretty vanilla and not that exciting but being the massive extrovert that I am as you can probably tell <laughs> it quite quickly into much more like a PSL role and then more like a help desk and then wow absolutely like a knowledge curator and then connecting people. And then that morphed into more of an innovation space because we were connecting people and talking about process efficiency and Mm -hmm. it really grew from there. And then I sort of discovered design and melding the two together and that there was such a thing as design thinking and that into a business context and critical thinking and creative thinking and pulling all that together. And gosh, I really found my groove and passion there.
1: Wow.
2: Have just really lent into that on the legal side and then also try and bring that into my handbags
0: as well. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you're a powerhouse.
2: (laughs) about that no 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 I, I am I am the average person that just has lent into um each opportunity that's been presented absolutely mm. anybody could do what I've done I've just jumped at whatever opportunity has presented mm. itself feeling the fear absolutely with full awareness that it could all go to shit <laughs> and anyway I think that's that's yeah. the thing because you only live once yeah I don't think that's I don't okay. want to have any regrets at the end of the day dearly and definitely not for for not doing something or not trying something at least
0: yeah and with she lion and the handbags you've brought in this sustainability piece as well because that's obviously something that's very important to you and so tell us a little bit about vegan leather and how how that is even a thing (laughs) yeah well Mm.
2: interesting people it's interesting, eco-PU and vegan leather, uh, Vegan leather can. real leather is obviously made from animal skins mm. and vegan leather can be made from a whole lot of different things mm. and then eco-PU is leatherette that can also be made in a whole lot of different ways but it's certified along the chain to not have incorrect amount of chemicals and it's actually certified to meet some environmental standards along the way. And it's also obviously a much lower price point than animal skin. Although, yeah, interestingly, they both serve different purposes. And I don't necessarily think that PU is, or eco-PU more specifically, is more environmentally friendly than leather because leather lasts so much longer. And depending on where you're sourcing the leather and how you're sourcing the leather, they can both be sustainable. But it was more about getting something into the business that was obviously still ethical, responsible, ideally sustainable and at a lower price point because consumer confidence changed so much in 2020. Nobody was interested, well, little a much fewer amount of people were interested in sort of a five hundred to eight hundred dollar leather handbag and definitely people didn't need one to carry their tech from the kitchen to their home office. Mm. My problem that the business served is largely women who commute and with everybody in lockdown There needed to be some quick decisions made if I was going to survive. And so one of them was to bring in a new collection that was still really out there and beautiful that was at a lower price point. So a lot of our bags in that category are actually a combination of leather and vegan because the reinforcements And also the trimmings, they last a lot longer and they don't crack if they're leather. So they're a mix. But then there is also that option for a completely vegan eco PU in our case bag (laughs) as well as a full leather one as well. Yeah. And we've got a blog on our site if you want to have a look at all the differences between the two and why you'd buy one versus
1: the other as well.
0: Wow. Will do. Yeah. And I mean, you're in Victoria with where I am as well. And so we've bounced in and out of lockdown constantly yeah. Yeah. but I suppose you know other states did a couple of weeks and then they were back out did that sort of make you feel like no there's this is going to be okay or no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we were in uh
2: we were living in regional Victoria for most of 2020 and I had a baby in uh, in December 2019 oh. so I had a three-month-old when COVID hit yeah. and my husband is a builder so he's and was considered an essential worker and a lot of his work is in Melbourne and so he was sort of commuting most days and then that became too difficult so he was sort of staying in Melbourne a few nights a week and I had a baby that had a lot of reflux uh, medicated reflux so the three-year-old and I weren't getting a whole lot of sleep mm. um, and then obviously being alone a lot of the time yeah. and then trying to run the business and like have any sort of semi-decent Zoom call with anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't easy. And then I think obviously because we were in Melbourne, like you would have experienced it was long and it didn't matter what was going on in other States because it was so long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember it was, there was a lot of resentment and there was a lot of us versus them it feels like that may have dissipated a little bit because it feels like we're all sort of in it together a bit more at the yeah. moment. I think because mm.
2: people actually experienced some of what we heard, yeah, and and now they understand. Because I don't know that you can understand it until you live it, and it's intense. Yeah, it's it's really hard. You know, whether you're, whether I mean, I think it's probably yeah, it's really hard whether you're a stay-at-home mum, whether you're running a business or not. You know, or if you're homeschooling if you live alone I mean for a myriad of different reasons it's just really really tough on mm. everyone
0: yeah mm.
2: Mm. I understand it's necessary but it's really
0: hard yeah absolutely and so it's just the your natural resilience then that you just kept putting one foot in front of the other and were like well what what else can I do because then you came up with this other whole new project as well during lockdown so um, you, yeah tell us about that with your sweaters
2: Well, that really came about, I have been a very big fan of slogan tops forever and uh, particularly in lockdown, particularly because I was, you know, always walking around with the house at least with milk vomit and God knows what else on me and with one child trying to be connected to one breast, if not failing at that and Mm. him being upset most of the time and then trying to do Lego or trucks or whatever with the other child and then you know, upset that the business was dying essentially because we'd like lost more than 40% worth of sales and I'd only three months previously invested huge amounts of capital into inventory for a high-end exclusive run of leather bags that was now made and on its way, although being delayed and logistics prices obviously 30% plus higher as well, looking at like, you know, barely making ends meet each month and how do I afford all these subcontractors subcontractors that I've got and how many bags do I have to sell to make sure I can pay the distribution center because mm-hmm. what will I do if I need to move all that stock out of there and just like you know need needing to do something and then mm-hmm. so upset that obviously all these other businesses were dying too and you know there's got to be something that yep. that I can do you know it, even if it's really little I mean it needs to be something that's going to help me but ideally something that will help a lot of other people as well I had put this picture of myself on my personal Instagram, not the she one, with this top that says superhero. I've got another one that says no pain, no champagne, and like a whole <laughs> plethora of them. I hadn't put it up like a sort of reminder for myself you know we can do this women are amazing you know like a rally cry type you know pull yourself together it's okay it's really hard but it's gonna be fine
0: yeah <laughs> teach what you need to learn <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and I had a whole lot of friends and family say "Yeah, it's really tough you know we can do it why don't you make a top like that like you know you should make one with walk fearlessly your tagline I said. Oh, oh, that's actually a really interesting idea. And knowing that I needed to probably create something that was entirely Australian made, if I could, would be a great addition to the business handbags had sadly never really been an option to be manufactured here in Australia we don't have the construction ability here anymore the factories really aren't here anymore to be able to do it at scale and at a price point that people are willing to pay it's just not feasible in Australia unfortunately I would jump at it if I could but it's just not really not commercially possible any longer I think it would have been 20 years ago and a sweatshirt I thought would be really straightforward and, like, simple and, like, no worries. Like, I could do that in three, four months. Yep. Yeah, easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so silly, so naive. I had no idea. But that's, like, benefit of.
0: Yes. You wouldn't start if you would have known. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think I probably still would have. But, mm. uh,
2: yeah, I think it was, like, that's why I've become so passionate about. That's why I made the video professionally, because I had made it in an amateur way. First, And I have like, honestly, like no joke, like 15 hours of footage on my phone of all of these amazing people that I have interviewed on my phone and then realized, you know, uh, this is something that everybody needs to know about. I had no idea as an average consumer, even with my manufacturing and design background with handbags and leather offshore, I had no idea how many technical people are involved in the making of a garment particularly something that's where the fabric is made in Australia and I feel like this is something that people need to know because then they understand why something costs the way it costs but also then they understand how many jobs they're supporting and then they understand what it means to ethically pay other Australians and then also that we have this skill set here and if we want to keep it um, what is our succession plan and this needs to be like discussed at a really top level. Like I think there needs to be like government intervention to mm. support these people and to bring it back. Because if anything, COVID has sort of raised yeah,
0: global the, logistics. Mm.
2: Yeah, we need to be less reliant on offshore and more yeah. reliant here. But yep. and beyond that, there's so many benefits to that. Like That's there's
0: right. landfill. Wealth-
2: yeah, wealth that can be brought mm-hmm. back here. So many mm-hmm. jobs, like like thousands of jobs in the textile industry that we lost in the last 20, 30 years. Speaking to these veterans in the field and hearing their stories, it was just, in you know, I'm, I was shocked and I have felt incredibly passionate about investing in that side of the story to make sure I'm amplifying that and people understand because... I feel like I am that person that didn't know, and you know it doesn't really cross your mind, and it's not that it doesn't interest you, but it's you don't know until it it, it does, (laughs) or or you're in it. And I think people would be really interested to know, and 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 it could make such a big difference to so many lives.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it really hit home for me, and you know I'd been in lockdown, jumping onto Instagram and buying a lot of junk. And, I mean, some of it was, you know, women going home and making earrings and things, which is cute and nice and supportive yeah. of them and stuff. But, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I'm more aware of the landfill issue and the, the junk that I chuck out and having, like, good quality yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, well, I got my jumper, so <laughs> I love it. But how, what's the response been to the video? Pardon me? What's the response been to the video? Amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing.
2: The response from all the people in the supply chain was honestly nothing short of overwhelming. I had been completely blown away by all these people just going out of their way to skill me up and make sure I didn't lose money and make sure things were done the right way and the best way and then sharing all of their contacts to cross-refer and find other makers that were sort of the best or the top in their field so that we could really showcase Australian skills with this I obviously am not by any means the first person to make Australian made. There are so many amazing brands that do Australian made, but what I didn't understand was that the end to end, every single element piece is not a very common thing. And and that is what makes this project special because absolutely every element involved in the jumpers, apart from the spinning, which we don't have the capability to have here, but every other element, has been, has been done in Australia by Australian hands and Australian people. And, and that's amazing because that's essentially 20 Melbourne businesses, two Sydney businesses and more than 300 people employed. And, and I'm tiny, I'm a small business. And if something like that can touch that many people, imagine what even just one SKU or one item in each of like a larger business doing that would, would make and the impact that would have on, on so many people and on our economy.
0: Yeah, you, what's next then for Kate Dillon? Because I feel like there's no spinning in Australia. I just had this image of you getting out like this... <laughs>
2: they're stunning i've been talking to ralph about it he's he's in but ralph is like the head of top knit fabrics and he's really keen to try and get a spinning facility in darwin or in in queensland because i think that's closer to where the farm the cotton farms are and that's potentially where they would have it because at the moment it all gets sent to england or india usually so as in the cotton comes from australia gets sent over there to be spun and so unless you are actually following the DNA essentially it does get mixed with whatever is on the so you couldn't necessarily say it was hundred percent Australian cotton it has used Australian cotton but unless you pay to get it the DNA followed can't categorically say that, but then the yarn itself comes back, and then that yarn has been knitted here in knitting mills in Melbourne, and then it's been dyed here in Melbourne, and then it's been sampled and cut and braided and industrially washed, and all the woven labels are done here, and the screen printing's done here, and the embroidery is done here, and the rib is made here, and the fleece is made here, and the recyclable poly bags are made in a in a factory here and the stickers and the printing is made here <laughs> and the social media and everything else is all done here too yeah. and the all the packaging everything so yeah but the point was to try and and obviously the point was to pull as many small businesses together as we could so most mm. businesses sort of employ less than five people and and yeah, it's still touched that many people. So yeah, it's been really positive for me to be involved in. It's obviously really beneficial for my business because I'm able to sell tops that benefit my business. But the the good thing is that it also benefits all these other businesses in the supply chain because a portion of every business obviously gets paid something every time a top's made, and then when they're reordered. Yeah, it's just a really lovely thing to be involved in when everything is so sad and dark at the moment I can't even watch the news
0: anymore no yeah I'm the same but yeah it is your video was like this little glowing light amongst all the other things that I'm not watching at the moment that I that I allowed through Uh, thank (laughs) you yeah
2: all those people they're all magic those people they absolutely lifted me it's not the other way around they all they all lifted me and that's why I feel like I need to be raising awareness around this. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And being a big ambassador for Locally Made and, as you say, like try and get something done from government to actually support these businesses to be here again. Yeah,
2: yeah 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 and also to save them so that they don't die in all these lockdowns because yeah mm-hmm. I don't know how you get those skills back once you've lost them if there isn't succession planning and younger people encouraged to go into mm-hmm. the vocational area and that and like incentives for bigger businesses to be using Australian manufacturing at least in some lines or incentives for businesses to have apprentices and it being made more attractive to become a seamstress or a cutter Mm -hmm. or a knitter or you know any of these trades that I really didn't know you know were around Mm -hmm. Um, garment construction I mean obviously you think about it if you think about it that makes sense but you know there's just this huge world I like with industrial washing even like the mm-hmm. that's a skill unto its own and the whole new specialist dying like Sam in Richmond Industrial Laundry has this insane amount of knowledge specifically he loves making denim and like you know you, you need to capture that skill set to be able to pass it on and yeah I don't know I feel like it's something we need
0: to keep yeah very much so so everything that you've learned what would you go back and tell your 21 year old self
2: probably go fail the bar exam straight away (laughs) a lot faster than you did
0: (laughs) yes very good yeah fear of failure is not a thing anymore
2: (laughs) everybody else's opinions are theirs and not your business and don't worry about what people think about you as long as you can go to sleep at night and feel like you're making a difference and you're happy with what you're doing that's all that matters
0: we certainly are making a difference what do you do to check in with yourself to keep yourself well because as you said like last year was pretty damn hard and it's continuing this year as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you how do you check in with yourself and what do you do for yourself?
2: Um I try to run, but that hasn't been so successful after having a second child. Mm. <laughs> I need to do a lot more pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mainly yeah, like going for a walk and or a slow jog. I'm going to build back up to running again. But I think yeah, I mean, I wish I could say, you know, meditating and all that sort of stuff, I which is absolutely on my list of things to try and fit in and learn how to do properly. But I, I think running and or doing some exercise, yeah. yeah, Going for a walk is pretty effective, I find. If there's like moments in your day, even in lockdown, where you feel like you're absolutely at a point where uh, you're done, you go for a walk and you feel like 100% more effective than you did before you went for the walk
0: (laughs) yes yeah
2: I mean you might not feel a hundred percent better but you feel less I don't know what everybody knows that they're feeling at the moment
0: (laughs) yeah less tunnel vision because I think you get out and you see just a bit of space and it's a bit of perspective and getting out of your head isn't it
2: just fresh air yeah
0: yeah yeah It's a form of meditation. So you can mark that off. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kate, look, thanks so much for your time. Wonderful conversation and congratulations again. Just such a great initiative. So thank you for being the one to stand up and do it.
2: Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're helping put the message out there. So thank you. I'm grateful to you.
0: What did you think?
1: yeah it's so nice the story was just so beautiful just listening to the podcast you know just from the how she was waiting for her uh, results it reminded me of mine (laughs) I was the same it's like you're waiting for that damn screen to refresh to get your results yeah but you know what good on her from at that point redoing it and Mm. you know what going I ain't gonna fail and I think that was a really good way to start her story of. The interview with you because that piece of resilience right there I think is probably what you know led and that theme throughout the rest of her journey to where she is now don't you think
0: so true so true to learn that lesson early on in such a big and public way like she said mm-hmm. and just had her you know why care anymore about other people's expectations of you just do what you're doing anyway yeah, it really has been a huge lesson. And as you said, the resilience has carried through, and I think that it's served her very well. I think, you know, 2020 and, and ongoing has been really tough for small business, but it just sort of highlighted to me how much more tough in certain situations, you know, new mum, really sick child, pretty much alone, unsupported, really worried about Income and business, probably too scared really to access the health system all that much, and yet she goes and gives herself this massive project.
1: <laughs> it was huge, and that video that the, the video you sent me to watch as well, it was so heartwarming mm. to watch and see all the, the members of the community, and you know just how, how generous Jim. they all were, weren't they, in in their
0: teachings and. Yeah
1: you know time and everything to get that project off the ground
0: you know it also made me really proud to think that there are some of those people in and around Melbourne and probably Sydney still who have much more traditional businesses who've resisted the push to close down because everything's being sent overseas and yet they're there with these skills and they're they love what they do and you know like Kate said if some of these big manufacturers at least did one of their lines still in 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 Australia and it'd make a substantial difference to at least 300 people's lives if not more Yeah,
1: if not significantly
0: yeah. more, more yeah because this is just one jumper that she's done and it's kept 300 people going
1: yeah I know I have to get one did you get one
0: I certainly did I got the actually oh. I can i gonna get. <laughs> yes, and I think that I, oh God, I need another one. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're white. And I said to Kate before I started recording, you know, every time I wear white, I spill chocolate all down it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: not that I eat chocolate all that much, and so I wore a jumper and I spilt hot chocolate down it straight away. And like. <laughs> oh my god and so I soaked it and sprayed it and washed it by itself and dried it flat and it's fine thankfully because some whites don't come fine again and she's like no 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 it's so resilient you don't even like it suggests drying it flat but you know you'll be fine so phew
1: you should do a black one for people like you and me (laughs) Yeah, beautiful story though, Uh, unbelievable story. of, And it took her, what, 12 months, she was saying, right? I think that was in the video, not in the interview, but it took her 12 months from that whole
0: Mm. design
1: concept to actually getting it out there and setting it.
0: Mm, Yes, yeah.
1: Between everything that she was going through that year for the 2020,
0: yeah. Yeah. And to sort of now be, in a way, setting herself up as the ambassador for... Stop local and create local. And she's going to be capping on doors of industry and government to try and have some kind of support for manufacturers or incentives for businesses to create things locally. Mm-hmm. You know, again, she's just giving herself another massive project, but she's so passionate about it. She's very impressive. I'm just sort of blown away to be honest.
1: Yeah, and how she said, well, no, I'm just like, you know, everyone else, but she just took advantage of the opportunities. I don't think so. I think she went out there and made it happen. It's not like those opportunities just came knocking on her door. Mm-hmm. Like there was a, a concept of a thought of I've got to do this and I want to do this. But then it was, yeah, it is. It's a case of talking to the people that she did at the time. And, and it's interesting how she did that amidst all the fear that she would have been going through. Because when she was telling her story, I was trying to put myself in her shoes of having ordered and produced these bags that people aren't going to want to buy because they're all at home. And like she said, you know, counting how many bags to sell to pay that cost of the distribution center. So mm-hmm. that's a lot just in that piece over there, enough to let anyone go, I can't cope. And then not only has she just you know dealt with that, but then actually built this whole empire,
0: pretty much. Mm, that's with, right.
1: With other people, it's, it's like super impressive, you know.
0: I I completely agree, and thank God she's the one with the skills to do it as well. You know, having studied law, it makes you know she's got a certain personality type, right, to to be a lawyer, <laughs> but then to also you know, clearly have a lot of EQ as well, even as a young lawyer to know to develop networks because she was talking about doing that design course as well and she did it three times to yeah, because worked. it was so good with the networking. And then to bring that skill back to the law as well, you know, it's, it is what sets great people apart from the superstars.
1: Yeah, it is. It's it's that follow through. I mean, you know, 12 months that journey would have been for her to push through. I'm sure it wasn't plain sailing. No. But even the thought process behind it to like methodically think about how am I going to do this? Who's involved? What am I going to be doing? It's it's massive, massive. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And while, you know, she's really grateful of all the industry people who sort of helped and guided her along the way, and I think that people are willing to help to a degree, but I reckon that, you know, if an industry is slowly shrinking, they'd also be fairly defensive. Mm. And so they saw in her something that made them also want to invest completely in this project. And, again, that's got to be EQ, doesn't it? It's got to be yeah. enrolling and endorsing people in a vision. Yeah. is is that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's, it's getting them to... Buy into your vision of what that looks like. What does the end look like? And I think the trick there is, what does the end look like for them individually, but also collectively? Mm. So, you know, what are they going to be doing together as a community mm. that's going to make a difference? And mm. what a difference it is going to make and is making. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, mm. And I think I, I don't know, but she only does sweatshirts at the moment, right? I'm thinking, you know, that line could totally just different things and you know i'm thinking even just like kids won these babies one these or something you know saying actually i can It'd be amazing
0: mm-hmm. well, i suppose where do you start with the project it could it could be as huge or as as small as you like it, you, i was also thinking while you were talking then that as you say like she had the ability to bring this community together and make this collective project and people could see The benefit of all working together on it I think that that's a really feminine leadership type thing isn't it to bring together and lead as a as a team and a community rather than pushing and leading from the the top she sort of
1: lifted them all up in a way yeah yeah Yeah. and I think they also lifted her as well I think Mm -hmm. it was definitely both ways you know where Mm -hmm. they gave her the knowledge they gave her the support they gave her the introductions and then Mm -hmm you know she leveraged all of that and
0: brought it all together. Mm. I've been thinking a lot about the hero's journey you know you hear about that a fair bit and how you can apply the hero's journey to people's lives but I heard recently from a lady about the heroine's journey rather than the hero's journey you know the hero's journey is very individual but the heroine's journey is much more like the Wizard of Oz where Dorothy actually brings people together and they all go on a journey together and they all help and discover each other together yeah well I think that what Kate has done is very similar it's not a hero's journey where she has battled through and done things alone and learned something it has been a heroine's journey where there's been a collective learning and, and coming together
1: absolutely yeah totally like Dorothy right yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see where that project goes. And I also think, you know, the bags will take off again once people are back out there and, you know, the good thing is she'll have that range ready
0: right. to go
1: as soon that's as right. everyone's back out there at work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And this project with the jumpers will probably just garner more support and than she would have otherwise had potentially because we all know what she stands for now.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it just makes you think, isn't it, like that whole thing that everyone has 24 hours in a day, how are you spending yours? (laughs) Doesn't it make you think of that? And there's certain people, right, that achieve so much in the same amount of time that everyone else has. And it's just so admiring to see and you know, listen to the story.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you going to do with your 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Combination of
1: work, packing. Yeah. Yeah. Just loads, loads to do at the moment. It's just a bit crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. What about you? Yeah. Look, the same, it, you know, it's funny when I think that I'm busy sometimes and then the intensity level goes up another two notches. You're like, how yeah. the hell yeah. did I think I was busy yeah. before? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: that's like this week for me it's been about like no joke 16 hour days oh. and then at the end of the night I'm like I'm just like dead yeah. so yeah it's just a hectic at the moment but it's mm. good We shouldn't complain for being busy it's better than you better know than the opposite
0: absolutely
1: and then having it affect you know our mental health and thoughts and all that sort of stuff so
0: yeah that's right that's right because at the moment there's not really any time to think is there <laughs>
1: no exactly <laughs> So, yeah, just got to embrace the routine that we're in at the moment, I think, and mm.
0: that's
1: all we can do. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And try not to, I suppose, absorb too much of the negativity because there's a hell of a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying not to read anything at the moment about it or buy into it. I'm not even doing the listening or looking at the updates or numbers anymore, mm. you know. I'm just like, don't, don't want to know. And I'm sure someone would tell me when we can travel again and not travel but, like, move out of our homes. Yes. So I'll waiting wait for someone to go, oh, by the way, yeah. we can actually now go back to work.
0: I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, the school will be <laughs> calling and say, um, why is she <laughs> Until then, I'm just going to be in my own little
1: bubble for a while. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear from people. You know, this story was great and continuing the conversation and reaching out to support Kate would just be wonderful if people could do that. We post the podcast on iqmeetseq.com.au and of course we do a post onto LinkedIn so love to hear from you if you would like to comment there otherwise if you want to reach out to us wish where can they find you
1: yeah eq.academy
0: brilliant and I am Jackie at legallywisewomen.com.au amazing yes another one down number 74 this one is so we're creeping ever closer to 100 yay all right we'll chat with you next time catch you later